This episode of The Minimalists is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. The Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, Minimizers. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Sometimes people mistake minimalism for asceticism or utilitarianism. But simple living is about, isn't about austerity or deprivation. As minimalists, we're, well, we've discovered that beauty is essential. And it's an essential part of life. And when we remove all the excess, we actually expose the everyday beauty around us. And that's why Erwin Raphael McManus is back on the podcast, <laughs> our returning champion. Yes. Erwin, thanks it's for being to, here. It's good to be back. Uh, I, you know, on this minimal, we're going to talk about beauty the genius of beauty mm-hmm. the beauty of genius as well mm-hmm. and then on the maximal i thought we would talk about well you've got a new book you've got a, a new podcast series as well called the genius of and we're going to be talking about all of that as well i want to dive deep into that but first i thought we would start with a question that we have here from tammy on facebook what exactly is beauty when decorating a shared space how do we agree on something that's objectively beautiful. It seems so highly subjective and personal that it's difficult to find agreement. Now, Erwin, you had this great line in our last film, which was Less Is Now, it's out on Netflix, that didn't make the film, unfortunately. Such a great line, it ended up on the editing room floor. That's, that's right. And so I figured, why not, let's do a whole podcast about that, this line. And so, in fact, during the intro when I was saying that people often confuse minimalism with utilitarianism, that was really the line. You said, I hope people don't confuse minimalism with utilitarian because beauty is essential. Mm, Absolutely. Let's talk about that. Well, let's go back to, uh, is it Tammy's question? Yes. And uh, how do you define beauty? Yeah. What is beauty? Beauty is anything that provokes wonder. Oh, and Uh, tweet that podcast. (laughs) That's, that's awesome. I, I think it's to me a fascinating contrast between art and beauty. Not our, no, not all art is beautiful, even if it's compelling. Right. Mm. And so when a person is uh, creating art, it, it can be motivated by all kinds of emotions. I mean, mm-hmm. art can be motivated by hate, it can be motivated by anger, by rebellion, it can be motivated by envy or lust. Mm. Uh, and, and so for an art piece to be compelling, for it to even be um, timeless, it doesn't have to be motivated by positive emotions. Ah. But beauty does. Mm. And so there's a difference between art and beauty. You can look at a work of art and, and recognize it's compelling, but not beautiful. It doesn't evoke wonder. It doesn't evoke hope. Mm. And what I think is, is essential is that hope is not necessary to create great art, but hope is absolutely essential to create great beauty. Really? Mm. And so when you, I mean, when you go out into the woods or you wa- look at a waterfall, or you look at, you go to the ocean, you see the waves crashing against the rocks. No one's telling you what emotion to experience. That's right. But you never experience anger 
right. or bitterness yeah. or despair. You're not watching a waterfall or a sunrise and going, wow, the world sucks. <laughs> I'm so angry with life. Look at that sunset. Oh, yeah. and, and what to me is fascinating is that there's some intrinsic human emotions that respond without command mm. to beauty. Yeah, And those emotions are hope and wonder, mm. awe, um, if you would, worship. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, we, uh, we've been working, you know, Ryan and I have been doing this whole minimalist thing for the last 11 years or so, and we've cra- crafted a message. We helped a lot of people heal their relationship with stuff and with creativity and, and, and with people as well, the, just all these different relationships. And we wanted to find a way to really bring the beauty of that forward. It's why we're in this new studio space. And a lot of it is actually inspired by what you're doing over at Mosaic, you know, creating that. art that allows people to, to see the beauty sort of in everyday life. And it can be simple without it being simplistic. And that, that's what I've seen in what you're creating is that you are creating something that is beautiful, but it's not stark. It's not, as you say, utilitarian. You can actually go to different parts of the world and see this architecture. Uh, you can go to places in the world that have been heavily influenced by, uh, let's say, Karl Marx, mm-hmm. and the buildings are stark and, mm. and minimal, mm. but they lack beauty or inspiration or imagination or hope. Yeah. And uh, when you look at government projects that have been created, how could you possibly create government projects and not know it would create violence? Mm. Oh, yeah. And, we, and what's interesting to me is when you, when you have a high um, volume of beauty, you have a diminished amount of violence. Yes. It's really hard to be violent when you're overwhelmed by beauty. Oh, mm. what a, you can tweet that podcast, Sean. Now yeah. let's get back to Tammy's question here because I think this comes up quite often. I'm living with someone else. And really what she's saying is my preferences for beauty are different from my partner's <laughs> preferences or my roommate or my sure. significant other. Yeah. But isn't it, that's going to be true with anyone. Even if you, if you have, like my wife and I have relatively similar preferences. Mm-hmm. Even then, there's going to be some tension between what she appreciates and what I appreciate, what I find to be beautiful versus what she finds to be beautiful. Have you noticed this in your own life? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my wife is from the mountains of North Carolina, (laughs) and uh, she is a country girl, and I am about as cosmopolitan as a human being can be. (laughs) And so our views of the world are so dramatically different. Our view of art or architecture is, and in fact, one time she she heard this um, um, interior designer talk about how you can know more about a person if you walk into their bedroom. In fact, that's actually true. If you walk into someone's bedroom, you, you can know whether to hire them or not, far more than a resume or, or an interview. Mm. And so my wife was listening to this person. And she said, so honey, which part of the heart, uh, house reflects you? And I said, uh, none of it. Mm. <laughs> and she goes, what, 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 what do you mean? I said, our house reflects how much I love you. Oh, but wow. our house reflects you. Wow. And so for my birthday one year, she set aside a, a fairly significant amount of money and said, you can redesign this bathroom. Mm. And so I actually blew everything out and put this cave. And, and it, when you walked inside the bathroom, you turned, to right, you turned right, and then you walked into this cave. There was rock and slate, and it looked like you'd gone underground. And there was waterfalls that came out and flowed in different directions. And it was completely uh, me. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was probably something she, she probably hated that more than anything else in the entire house. Yeah. And, and, I, and I probably was overkill for my part, but I got to actually design something and have some fun. It took me a while. And I think one of the realities is that some people love Monet and some people love Van Gogh. Right. One mm. person might love Picasso, another person might like 
Bansky. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean that one person's wrong or right. And that's the wonderful thing about beauty is it eliminates wrong and right. Mm. Yes. See, beauty isn't about wrong and right. That's it, it, it's, it's just like, you know, is blue right or is red right? Mm. right. And, and we, we're raised in a world where everything has to be good and evil, right and wrong, good and bad. Yeah. But beauty actually eliminates that conversation. Oh, wow. Man, that bathroom sounds absolutely gorgeous man that it was really cool. actually quite nice and when we sold the house it was the value added oh wow <laughs> for sure <laughs> like literally quite literally you know it's interesting i think about like me and my wife and you know not just uh, our preference for beauty or what we find beautiful you know there are a lot of different preferences we have mm -hmm. if it was just with beauty that would be awesome if that's sure. the only differences we ever had but of course there's more but like you said you know i try to go out of my way as much as possible to allow her to express herself because I do love her so much. And she goes out of her way to do that for me too in different areas. So yeah, I mean, I think with any relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a romantic partnership, you know, you've got to allow room for each other's preferences. And that's where, you know, maybe Tammy needs to, I don't know, just kind of look at it a little bit. How much are you opening up uh, your partners, uh, supporting your partner's preferences? How much are they supporting your preferences? Yeah, I think some of it though is also you have to, do, you have to cultivate an awareness of beauty. Mm. It's just like it, you cultivate an awareness of good food. Mm. And when Kim and I were young, we ate at a lot of places we would never eat now. <laughs> and, uh, in fact, we, we sometimes think, how many times did we eat that fast food? Because that's what we were raised on. Right. You know, and, and as we matured and grew and, and had more different experiences, we could never go back to some of those places because all we could do is taste the grease. Right. All you can do is taste the salt. Yeah, right. And so ironically, sometimes people think, it, they, they get the less is wrong, uh, the less is more wrong because uh, McDonald's may seem like less, but it's actually not. It's way more. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. way more of all the things that are uh, killing us. Yeah. Don't way, want. way more of the wrong things. Yes. You know, and, and it's interesting how people say, I don't like this. And then you ask them, well, what happened when you tasted it? Oh, I've never tried it. <laughs> and there's, there's a difference between I don't like it and I don't know it. No. And for many people, I don't like it means I don't know it. Mm. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know it is. I don't like it. Yeah. So, I'm afraid of it. Yeah. Well, it's funny. People say that about LA all the time. Mm. Oh, LA is so, I can't believe you live out in crazy land and LA is so nuts. I'm like, oh, really? Like, when did you visit? Oh, I've never been. Right. But so, what, <laughs> so pressing too difficultly, uh, dif uh, I think too intensely in this, ignorance is an enemy of beauty. Oh. And Sean, tweet that. <laughs> yeah. So my wife hated oysters. And she, she hated oysters because she had never tried one. And it was probably maybe five years ago. She was, you know, I mean, I'm 63 now. So it was probably, she was probably 57 years old. The first time she was willing to try an oyster. Mm. And I love raw oysters. And she'd always just be so disgusted by it. And then one day we're on, on the coast and she goes, okay, I'll try one. Mm. I don't know what happened. You know, maybe it was my birthday. She just thought it'd be fun. She tried an oyster. I set it up for her. I, you know, I, I put it together just All right. All the fixings. Yeah. Yeah, man. And That's when important. She, when she <laughs> ate it she just you could just see something erupt inside of her she goes this is my favorite food in the whole world <laughs> i go how did it go from i hate oysters i will never yeah. try one to this is my favorite and of course it ruined my life because now um <laughs> i had to share <laughs> now this tray of 12 became a tray of six for me yeah. and, uh, and she just kept eating another one another another mm. one i thought this is what happens See, ignorance is an enemy of beauty because oftentimes we, we don't actually know what we're rejecting because we're afraid to experience the new. Yeah. And I think a part of what keeps us open to beauty is, is an endless curiosity and openness to try new things, to experience life in a new way. 
Oh, man. That's T- awesome. Tammy, I think there's a, an important lesson in this is also understanding it sounds like your preferences have probably changed a little bit recently. Maybe you're stumbling down the minimalism rabbit hole. You're letting go of stuff. And the things you thought were beautiful are actually not beautiful to you anymore. But guess what? It took a while for you to get there. And expecting your partner or roommate or whomever to change in 24 hours is also an unrealistic expectation. <laughs> we have a question here from Corey in Virginia. My question today is actually uh, for my sister. Um, She has begun her minimalist journey, and she loves interior design. Um, It's one of her passions. She loves, you know, redoing rooms and decorating and all that stuff. So how can you implement a minimalist lifestyle while still uh, being able to design your home? So... Corey, thankfully, we're here with someone who really appreciates interior design. Every time I go over to Mosaic, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Oh, and and part of that is it's beautiful the way that an art museum or a gallery is beautiful. Quite often, we walk into these spaces, and they seem empty-ish at first until you realize, <laughs> like, no, it has everything that is essential, everything that makes it beautiful. Sometimes the bones are the beauty of the thing, and, and then everything within it serves a purpose. It accents the space. There's a, there's a, a beauty in the having less. Absolutely. Corey, there's no contradiction. Mm. <laughs> when you're saying there's, it, it, she wants to be an interior designer and then she's trying to be a minimalist. I'm going, all great interior designers are minimal. Yeah. They actually ask the question, what's, what's the least amount that creates beauty in this space? Right. People who are terrible at interior design move toward clutter. <laughs> They're the ones that have way too many pillows. <laughs> so oh, it's man. like, you know, the, the 20 pillows is not interior design. <laughs> right, right. Th- that, that's covering up something in a way, right? And so by adding more and more, and, and it's funny because like, uh, we were, remember we went to the Stall House a few years ago? Oh, yeah. Have you ever been up to the Stall House? I don't it's, think so. It's up in oh, the Hollywood goodness. Hills, and yeah. it's gorgeous. And they have all this really nice furniture. Most of it's from with design within reach. And... But you could go buy the same furniture and, st- and not get the same aesthetic, right? Because yeah. someone has very carefully curated exactly w- what goes where and thought about it. It's not about simply buying the thing. I think quite often we try to consume beauty. We try to purchase beauty. Mm. And while we can buy certain things that will augment or enhance the beauty of something... It can't simply be purchased alone, right? Yeah, great interior design leaves room for the human experience. And so if you don't factor in how the humans fulfill the space, you've already over-designed it. Ooh, man, tweet that podcast, Sean. And, and so you That's look good. around at this space and uh, you, you have this beautiful um, backdrop. But really what makes it beautiful is that she didn't feel it was necessary to fill every space. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And so the space to speak. And I'm not really sure why, but when I was really young, uh, you know, my name's an alias, so I always struggled with connecting to my name. Mm. And then when I had to sign my name when I was young, I didn't really know how to create a signature. And, and so it was probably in my teenage years, I decided that I would create and craft my signature based on the spaces in between the lines. And what no one knew was my signature was not the lines I drew, but the spaces in between the lines. Mm. And I think that really uh, a huge part of aesthetic is to understand the spaces in between the lines. It's not just what we put there. It's, it's what the spaces in between say. 
Mm. Otherwise, it becomes visual noise in a way, right? And so when you think about music, what, what makes beautiful music is the space between the notes. That's right. And I think the same is true for whether it's interior design or it is art or you know, even when it is a, it's a book, right? It's what, what are we saying between the lines? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Even when in communication, it's the power of silence that actually makes communicators great. Yeah. When, you, when they mm. somehow stop and there's a silence and, and all the thoughts that have been pressing inside of you are now catching up to you and that person is giving you room to inhale. And that's, a, to me, a part of the, the process of communication is learning the spaces in between the words. Yeah. Oof. Man, I'm, I'm like so jealous of like your uh, ability to decorate and the same thing with Erwin. Because when I think about like interior design at my place, it stresses me out because like I don't I just <laughs> don't have the eye for it. I can look at Josh's place and be like, oh, wow, that's gorgeous. I can look at Mosaic and be like, man, that is gorgeous. But just copying that doesn't feel right to me. I'm like, oh, man, I would love to come up with my own. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just need to look at more minimalist design work or something. But I, I kind of let Mariah handle all the interior design stuff. Or you can hire an interior designer. I mean, that's the oh, whole yeah. thing. I mean, that's, that's what we did for this space as we're building it out. You know, we're only about 70% complete. But I'm not an expert on lighting. So we bring ev in who is just a genius a savant of lighting and mm -hmm. he helps us out with that uh we brought in beulah who did these beautiful paintings but she also is helping out with the rest of the space she picked out the paint and the sound panels and the couch and the credenza and all of these things but she also really understands what isn't here mm -hmm. what shouldn't go here so to speak right yeah. because it's just going to clutter up the space it's going to if we bring in the wrong things it will take away from the beauty of the space mm. and i think quite often the average house has three hundred thousand items in it no wonder we're so stressed out and things don't feel beautiful to us mm. we've covered up the beauty that yeah. is sort of pre-existing yeah. and by getting rid of that excess we are all of a sudden uncovering some of the beauty. Corey, mm. I'd love to send you a couple tickets. Maybe bring your sister on out to our Washington, <laughs> D.C. event. T.K. Coleman is going to be there with us in Washington, D.C. He'll be with us in a few other cities as well. We're going to 20 different cities. It's called the Love People Use Things Tour. We're going to do a minimalism talk. We're going to do a live version of the Minimalist Podcast, a book reading, Q&A, all kinds of fun stuff. Every major city across the U.S. We're going to be there and Canada as well, Toronto and Vancouver. So come on out, theminimalists.com slash tour. We'll reach out to you, Corey, give you a few tickets to that Washington, D.C. event. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It's time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Now, Erwin, you probably remember during the lightning round, this is where we do our best to answer <laughs> questions with a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We put these texts... Uh, these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. Erwin has already like had like how many pithy answers? I know. We've He's already so got good. 15 things on the show notes <laughs> right. from Erwin. Hopefully you and I, I will be able it. to come up with something pithy here. Yeah, we got sure. a question from Stella. How do we find the beauty inside ourselves and then be content with it? That is, how do we find the essence of who we truly are and stop trying to be someone else wearing too much makeup, wearing certain clothes and brands to be who we think others admire and look up to, and basically just trying to conform to the impossible standards the beauty and fashion industries sell us. What a beautiful question. Mm. And I think there's something here, Erwin, about how do I know what's me versus how do I understand 
what I'm trying to project into the world. Mm. Let's talk to Stella about this. You see, when I hear Stella's question, I don't hear a question. I hear an answer. Mm. And she already answered her question. Mm. And so I don't know what I can add to that other than just say, I think you already found your path to finding your essence. So, yeah. So what is the, what is the answer in her question? Just the, well, she's, I, I think the danger is to blame everything around you. Yes. For not finding your essence. Because no one can make you want something. Mm. They, can, they can hit the button of things you want. And you have to always hold on to the why you want what you want. Yeah. And, yeah. You, you know, and so I, I just look at things and go, um, there's always going to be people telling you, here's a shortcut to, be fi- to finding your own beauty. And mm. I think that's really the question is, are you accepting a shortcut to your own beauty? Because beauty really is about essence, it's about your character, it's about whether you're compassionate and kind and forgiving and whether you're a person of integrity and whether you bring hope and joy to the world around you. Mm. And so I would say focus on the essence of who you are and everything else will become secondary. Mm. Mm. I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Podcast, Sean. There's about three or seven things you can yeah. tweet in. I got some pithy for you real quick. And I think it's mainly just echoing what Erwin has already said. Are you wearing that t-shirt, makeup, and jacket for you? Or are you wearing it to meet someone else's expectation? Because if you are wearing everything for someone else, if you're doing everything for someone else, no wonder there's so much discontent, so much anxiety, so much tension yeah. inside. Because... Well, you're not doing it for you in the first place. Yeah. I mean, really, I feel like the only expectations that I need to meet personally are my own. Like, those are the first expectations to me. And then look outwardly. But if you can't meet your own expectations, then you're certainly not going to find other people's expectations fulfilling. And if it in, indeed are your expectations even yours, right? Yeah. Because there are all these sort of mimetic expectations that yeah. society has thrust upon us. Well, you are supposed to, as Erwin said earlier, here's, here's what you should do. You should buy a house when you're 25. You should get married at this age. You should go to college. You should. And some of these things will certainly improve your life. Mm-hmm. But is this actually your, is this the path you want to take? Yeah. Or are you running down a path and at the same time, running away from yourself. Yeah. All right, my pithy answer is this. The path to misery is paved with comparison. And we live in a world today where we are constantly comparing. We have these comparison machines in our pocket. So, you know, if, uh, if Stella here is finding herself filled with other people's expectations, I would ask her, like, well, what kind of entertainment are you taking in? How much social media are you looking at? Not only that, but like, magazines or TV shows. I mean, I, I had, I realized when I first started this minimalism journey, how much reality TV affected me, how much GQ magazine affected me. I had no idea until I started looking at these things. So I had to cut out a lot of the entertainment I was consuming because it was, it was creating these desires that um, really weren't my desires. That's right. Well, we got so much more to talk about, but first Ryan, you got something for us? Yeah, man. Here are some voicemail comments and insights from our listeners. Check them out. Hey guys, my name is Jenny and I'm calling from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I wanted to share a tip and trick with minimalists that have a family. My husband and I recently became a family of three, welcomed our son Micah into the world six months ago. And adding another being to our lives can add a great deal of physical items and items that are outgrown really quickly. To honor our family's minimalism efforts and living within our one family income needs, we met Um, and went to a family member 
who has a son one year older than our son, Micah. We asked them if we could borrow their baby clothes and toys that they were storing in their basement and bins just in case they had another baby boy. So we thought that we could use them now rather than them just collecting dust in their basement. We have saved a great deal of time and money by borrowing these items. And in turn, we're storing them in our basement as the family has a smaller home and doesn't have space and they didn't want to pay to rent a space. We have even started buying bigger clothes and gifting them to the family member as they will become ours in the future when our son grows into that size. So we're creating this baby boy clothes moving wardrobe and getting the most out of each item by sharing them with multiple families. This could work with family members or friends, coworkers, or any listeners um, that need a tip. Uh, it's a win-win for everybody. Hi, guys. This is Virgo from Atlanta, Georgia. I just wanted to call, um, as a longtime barista, I have a couple tips about coffee. I know you guys are, are coffee people and own your own coffee shop, which is great, by the way. I love Bandit. Um, I just wanted to tell listeners that there's a really awesome coffee subscription service called tradecoffee.com. You can go in and put in your preferences and what kind of, you know, profiles you like. And um, you can put in, you know, what your brewing method is or whatever, and they will customize kind of, um, I guess, what coffee to send you and how often. You can tell them if you want it every week or every two weeks like I do or every month or however often you want to receive your bag of coffee. It's great roasted-to-order specialty coffee, and I have gotten a lot of value out of it. Um, every bag is between 18 and $22 usually. So it's um, it's about what you would pay at a specialty shop for a bag of coffee. And you can find new roasters to support, which is awesome. The other thing I wanted to share is um, TerraCycle.com, which is a service where you buy basically like a, a, a box. And then you fill it with your used coffee bags, and they will recycle them for you. And, you know, anybody who drinks a lot of coffee knows, like, it sucks to throw away all those bags. Um but, you know, what are you going to do with them, right? So you can recycle them with this service. It's a bit of an investment. Usually um, it's like $35 for a small pouch, or you can go bigger. I think the biggest option is like a pallet, which is $899 if you want to do that. But, yeah, um, it's just an option for recycling those bags. Um, thanks, guys. All right, y'all. Big thanks to Erwin Raphael McManus. Yeah. You can check out his new book. It is called The Genius of Jesus, and his new podcast series is called The Genius Of, where he dives deep into exploring the genius inside each guest that he interviews. In fact, he uh, did an interview with me over there as well, so you can check that out real soon. He also has a great podcast with his son called Battle Ready, where they take two different sides of an argument and sort of battle it out, but in a way that it forms a deeper understanding between the two of them. So you can check that out as well. We've got a bunch more surprise questions this week for Irwin. That's uh, Thursday on Patreon, the Maximal episode. We call it the Minimalist Private Podcast. You can check it out each Thursday, theminimalists.com slash support, and you'll get a personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. Real quick, for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. Ryan, since we've been talking about beauty today, mm. I thought we would take a peek inside your home <laughs> and inside my home as well. If you haven't seen them already, we have a couple of minimalist home tours. In fact, maybe it's time to do a refresh on yours. This was two apartments ago for you. Yeah. You know, it's inter- I was thinking about that during the podcast about how your home is picture worthy. And mine is so 
mundane. It's just a normal house. Like people would walk into my house and they wouldn't be like, look at all this minimalist design. They would just be like, oh, wow, like Mariah and Ryan keep things really tidy. So it's like, I don't know, long story short, I don't think it's very photogenic, but if you want to do it, man, I'm totally willing to do it. Well, check it out. It's uh, theminimalists.com slash resources. That's our resources page. A bunch of free resources there. We have a minimalism calendar. We have the home tours. We have the values worksheet. We've got our simple Sunday email newsletter. You can find all of that on our website, theminimalists.com. Just click resources there at the top. For our added value this week, Ryan, since we've been talking about beauty, Mm. this might be... If it's not my favorite song, it's certainly one of my favorites. It's one of the most beautiful songs that I've ever yeah. stumbled across. Our good friend Nate and Drew, they um, they have a band called Parlor Hawk. In fact, they did all the music for our last two films. Mm-hmm. Uh, they filmed a, a special, or they formed a special band called We, and did the soundtracks for Minimalism and Less Is Now. But I first heard about Drew because he's the lead singer of this band, Parlor Hawk. Mm-hmm. And this song is especially, well, noteworthy for an episode like this Mm. because they built this giant song with all these strings and violins and and different instrumentation, Mm. and then they stripped it down to its essence. And there's only a few instruments left in the song. Mm. The song is called Scars by Parlor Hawk. By the way, we have a bunch more surprise questions this week, like what are the four things that make a genius a genius? How is the minimalist's message different from Marie Kondo's method? How do we best explain the benefits of minimalism to a maximalist? When you first started your minimalist journey, what hiccups did you encounter? How do we maintain our focus, momentum, and motivation throughout the minimalism cycle? Plus a million more questions for Irwin and The Minimalist. And if you want to hear all that, join us on The Minimalist Private Podcast this week. Visit patreon.com slash The Minimalists to subscribe and get a personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. Or you can just head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. That will take you over there as well. You'll get access to all of our archives. It's hundreds of hours of minimalism. All of our past private podcast episodes, our Ask the Minimalists Anything sessions, and our entire Patreon community. Thousands of other open-minded people who are exploring what it means to live a life with less. You can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists. Come to one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. Comment on this episode, youtube.com slash theminimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here today with just one message, let it be this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Scars, that's all they are, scars.